Hello and welcome to CMO Convo, the podcast from CMO Alliance. It's all about in-depth conversations and discussions with CMOs and leading marketers around the world. Today, I'm speaking to Maury Rogo, CMO of the VideoBot and CEO and founder of RIP Media. We're going to take a look at how his background in the Hollywood film industry has influenced his approach to video marketing and how marketers can inject a little bit of cinema magic into their brand storytelling. Hi, Maury. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you for having me here. Uh, well, thank, uh, thank you for being here. It's, um, I'm very excited about this conversation. Um, storytelling is close to my heart as a marketer, and we're talking about video storytelling. Um, but before we get down to that today, maybe you want to introduce yourselves to our audience, tell us a bit about your background and how you got into the, the marketing game. Happy to. So a lot of people look at me where I am right now. I'm sitting here in the middle of Hollywood, you know, Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. Um, and, you know, it's really, I came here because it's the soul of creativity and storytelling. But the thing is, it's not just that sort of, you know, esoteric or, you know, out there sort of storytelling. It's literal brand storytelling because you have to have a pitch. You have to have a pitch that works. You have to have a trailer. You have to have a promo. You have to have a film or a product. And then you have to be able to go market it. And 97, this is the, the dirty secret is most people don't know that 97% of the films that are made don't make any money. Um, so it's very, very difficult to get one of these out there. So I, I took my lessons from the first 15 years of my career from high tech, launching products, you know, sales, marketing, very heavy there. But I kept leaning back into Hollywood. How do they do it? And I keep wanting to see these movies. Can I adjust that so that people want to see these products? How can I take some of the magic of Hollywood and mix it into the marketing campaigns? Um, and so I just said, let me dive in. Let me dive into Hollywood. So I, I moved out here. You know, I, I dove in pretty deep. I mean, I, I I wrote, I did script consulting. I, you know, worked with uh, the uh, the producer of The Dark Knight, the Batman, uh, you know, series, and uh, in in a lot of really great things. Was in some films and that kind of thing. And then I then I found out how long it takes years to launch one of these quote products. And I said, wait a second. If I can launch a great story and help films, you know, get eyeballs on them, can I help brands, the tech companies I used to work with, can I help them launch in a better way? So I adjusted what I was doing and put this video marketing company together and it it really worked. It really worked, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And now we've done, you know, a thousand commercials. We've done, you know, you know, numerous, you know, promo spots and, and pieces to help companies launch in their the results are astronomical. I mean, I don't look at my results. I look at my customers' results. And, and we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars that they didn't have before. So it's really, really gratifying and, uh, and very fun. It's hard work, but it's very fun too. So is, is it like a Hollywood mindset that you're approaching video marketing with? Is that what you say? Is that sort of like the philosophy behind your, your video storytelling? It's sort of like the Hollywood ethos? It's so it's so good for you. So I would say, so there's, there's two sides to Hollywood, right? I think there's the Hollywood that we see on the cover of the magazines and sort of the glitz and the glamour and the whoever. And I'm not taking that side. You know, I'm not really taking the influencer side, you know, and this, this face can sell products. So let me go and, you know, ask a Kardashian to get behind this or something along those lines who aren't even, you know, actors, you know, by any means. Um, but I am absolutely taking the storytelling how they go ahead and tell a great story and how they've gone ahead and, you know, mastered that just in, just in a hundred years. So they took something that was, you talk about the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the ethos and the, and the background, and, you know, we're talking thousands of years from, you know, the writings of the, you know, Greek philosophers to uh, Shakespeare, you know, up into today in a hundred years, some of the filmmakers said, that's it. We've got the structure. We've got the map. You know, these plays were three hours long, four or five hours long. How can we boil these down into a half hour segment? How can we boil this down into, um, you know, a 90 minute film? So I became a, a student, a heavy student of how that story structure is put together. And that's what I've capitalized on. And that's what I do for, you know, our own brand. And that's what I do for other brands, all of our customers. So that's really the side that I lean heavily on. It's interesting that you talk about like the story structure when it is like a almost like a standardized structure in Hollywood. You have like this three act screenplay that people mm -hmm. talk about as like the main the basis of like a Hollywood film. And yet, even though it's sort of like this commoditized product, it's still considered art. And yet, video storytelling for marketing isn't considered art by a lot of people. <laughs> so I think that's something we can dig into in this conversation that we're going to have today. Um, 
But before we get to that, why is video such an important medium for storytelling and marketing? Like, what does it give you an advantage over other forms of content? Sure. There's so many, there's so many areas that I think you get an advantage. Again, I'm going to say this, if you do it right, and there, there's so many rules to this. I mean, there is not a global, you know, just standard. I mean, I certainly broken down rules. So it's almost as if you tell me if you're a small company, uh, you're a mid-sized company, you know, enterprise company or a global, you know, kind of, uh, you know, powerhouse, that kind of thing, how you're going to tell that story and then where, where in the customer journey. So, you know, you have to be telling a different story. I mean, the origin story is really interesting only if you know the brand. Right. I mean, so you've got to be in the door first. And um, so, you know, I map things to the customer journey. I map things to obviously, you know, the funnel. Um, and then the other area that I map things to is which people just we, we kind of we all learned this a long time ago and we forget, which is there's only three ways to create revenue. There's just three ways to create revenue. So when you have this marketing map on your on your whiteboards and your spreadsheets and your you know project management, it's can I get new customers? Can I get more revenue from each customer? Or can I get more sales from each customer? And that's it, right? So you've got all these different metrics to map out. So again, let's get back into video storytelling. How do I take all those things and then map it to video storytelling? And the reason that it's you know video is so much more compelling than other any other type of media is the way of the world. I think it's a bunch of things happened about ten years ago. Um, I take maybe 10, 10 to fifteen years ago, and one is internet speeds finally caught up to our our desires you know we always want more we're craving more and more every single day but you know video wasn't really working that well because you know it was slow it was jittery you'd send out a gif you'd you know kind of map to here so it, it didn't work that well so now that the internet speeds are high enough that you know you can really tell a great video story we understand it now that stories are and then the second part is stories are being honed in like i said to the customer journey to where in the sales funnel you know, people are, and our attention spans, especially here in America, here in the States, attention spans are so short, right? We're hit with just across the the globe, the technology, uh, uh, technology uh, sort of rich countries, you know, we're hit with 70,000 pieces of information a day. It's hard to compete. So with video, you can disrupt that thinking even just for a second. And then it's, if you can tell a story that's visually pleasing. And then, you know, you also have the audio, right? And then if you can do something that's more tactile and that's a call to action, make people feel something to do something to literally bring it into the physical world, click this button, <laughs> smash that like button, right? You know, for the internet marketers on YouTube or, you know, click here to set up a demo, whatever it is. But if you get people to, you know, move their bodies, literally you have the three pieces of a great story. So, you know, that, that make people take action. And that little piece right there is what I've focused on for the past, you know, more than decade, which is how do you make people take action by watching video or reading anything? We started off as, uh, you know, regular content marketing, you know, images, you know, posters, movie posters, things like that, movie posters to this. And there was just nothing like being able to convey emotion and get people to take action with video. So it's audio, visual, tactile, and then where in the customer journey are they? And if you can map those pieces together, it becomes too compelling to pass up. And that's what we're seeing. And that's why things are, you know, videos exploding across the web and Cisco, the, the, the global leader in, you know, routers. And so on. one of our customers, you know, route basically of internet traffic, you know, they're saying it's over 75% of the traffic now is video. Wow. That's a, that's a big number. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting you talk about the, the multi-sensory aspect. Of it. I think when a lot of people think about video, they think of it as just being a purely visual medium. But you're right, it is like a multi-sensory, particularly with marketing, as opposed to, say, a film, or like a, a movie or like a, a TV show where you're just mm -hmm. absorbing it. Like you are engaging different like the, the call to action is a, a tactile thing it is like an extra step isn't it so that gets you even further engaged that you might not even get with a like a watching a tv show or something like that. that that's exactly it and it's and it's there's a really interesting time happening right now with you know the you know the the gen z and millennials younger 
millennials where, you know, perhaps our age, I'm not, you know, where I'm not sure where you, you know, fall and I'm not asking uh, you look great, but um, you know, with sort of 30 X and above, we're used to the lean back. This is a movie. This is a TV show. This is a video. Let me just sit here. The younger groups, they grew up with touch. They grew up with, you know, touch sensitive, you know, iPads, phones, tablets, et cetera. So it's more of a lean in. What's the, where do I go next? Is this interactive? What do I do here? Is this a game, right? They, I mean, their brains are much more engaged. What do you do? So don't show me the flat linear video you used to. So we're really at a crossroads right now of, you know, bringing in some of the things I was just talking about to make them interactive because it's desired. People want to have that. It's not just a lean back experience. And then the other lean back experience, you know, we talk about TV and film and that kind of thing. Something got you in the seat, right? The promo, the commercial, mm-hmm. the, you know, the teaser, that kind of thing. You don't do, you know, you can channel surf, but something is going to catch your eye or your heart and you're going to stay there on that channel or Netflix right. show or whatever it is. So how, how do you catch people's eyes to get them in the seat when it comes to video marketing? Like what? What what steps do you do you need to take to get them in front of your in front of your marketing cinema screen, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we don't have I don't need to go too far down the Hollywood path. I mean, this is all about you know getting getting companies to execute and and that kind of thing. So and, and to be able to sell. So there are yeah, I can talk about some of my rules of story. You know how yeah. we do it. Yeah. So I put together the. You know, the, you know, you can go pick up any old book, right? And you can find out, oh, the three-act structure. Well, I've, I've broken that down and made it more useful in marketing terms. So what I call, what I call it is the epic story structure. So E-P-I-C. So epic is, um, or the E, it's an acronym. E would be engage and have empathy. So it's a little bit of a double. You've got to engage people. And that means you've got to disrupt their day. And that's in the first six seconds. You've got to grab them. You've got to have their hook, you know, any of these terms. But if you don't grab people in the first six seconds, think about YouTube, click out, skip, done. You know, you've lost them forever. Um, or until, you know, you come back around again and hit them with even more budget. But the goal is not to spend so much budget getting those eyeballs. You want to engage people. So in the first six seconds, you've got to grab people with empathy, which means I understand where you are. I understand your problem. And this little piece um, that I've talked about, that I'm talking about right now, the background of that really comes from uh, when I was in very heavy high-tech marketing and, and sales, we had competitors. I was with a company called with a company called Geotel, and we ended up being acquired by Cisco Systems for over a, a billion dollars with a B. It was it was amazing, but we had so much competition that we're either so much bigger or so much technology seemingly technology rich that. I, you know, we were running around in fear every day of, you You know, <laughs> that if we don't sell enough, we don't get enough leads, we don't, you know, create enough, you know, value and revenue, one of these other companies could get scooped up or, you know, and purchased and really explode, or they're going to win our customers. It was insanely competitive. But what I started finding is they might have great product, but they don't have a good story and they can't simplify their story. So they're not grabbing people. And some of them, their technology was good, but they couldn't tell that story. So we beat them. Now, on the other side, we I think we had the combination of all three. It was magic. We had amazing technology, but we kept it simple to get in the door, to grab people with what's your, your problem. Let's address your problems right off the bat and then come up with the solution, which of course we had, and do that in an engaging way in exchange for dollars. I mean, there's the, there's the basics. And I feel like other people were celebrating their technology so much that they started talking about themselves more than what they could do for the customer. That's what kind of bounced them out the door and got us our foothold in place. So that all became, how are we doing that? I look back at our presentations, my presentations, the, you know, the literally the, the decks as well as what we would say and talk about. So all that became the E in the epic, which is empathy. And then the P is the big one, which is the pain or the problem the customer is going through. So, um, you know, I'll go through it real quick, E-P-I-C. So, you know, the, the empathy and engagement and then the P, the pain or the, or the problem. And then I is the impact as well as the integrity of your solution. And C is the change in their life or and or C, the call to action. What are we going to do? So E-P-I-C. So I could, t- I could take... Let me ask you this. Do you have a favorite movie or a couple of favorite movies? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies at the moment. Awesome. I'm a big fan of what they've achieved for the universe. Um, 
I suppose we'll go with um, we'll go, we'll go with the, go with the Infinity Infinity Wars, the the most um, the biggest temple movie yeah. of the last ten years. That that's probably one that a lot of our audience would have seen. So I'll know what we're talking about. That's great. Absolutely. So it's one of my favorites too. And I, in fact, in fact, just as a note, I don't think it's a spoiler because, you know, after $4 billion have come in for those two movies, I think not giving anything away, but I love that the bad guy won at the end of the first one. That was unexpected. So then again, okay, that got us in our seats for the next one, which became the largest grossing movie of all time um, with Endgame. So now, you've thrown out a multi-character, multiverse, so that's not as easy to break down, but here's the here's the quick way to do it, which is, you know, empathy and engagement, right? So we have each of these characters in this case that we've gotten to know over the past few years. So we know each of the characters. We know how noble Captain America is. We know how cocky, you know, Tony Stark and Iron Man is. We know how, you know, wanting to be noble and always trying to live up Thor is, right? Really my favorite character since I was a kid. Not when it was Chris Hemsworth, when it was an old guy with the cane, he would tap the cane and he would. So, um, and then he turned into the God of Thunder. So we go through each of these characters and, you know, each one of them has going to go through a transformation. And what's the problem? Well, we have an, an incredible bad guy. And I thought the, love this. I actually, I love breaking this down again. We're going to, I'll start here with the film. And then I'm going to apply it to a product. So start thinking about some company or brand because it's going to be the same thing. Maybe it's a, a product that didn't exist and then maybe it's it's really exploded on the scene or a technology. So if you could, you know, again, I'm this is random. I have no idea what you're going to say, but I'll finish out with the uh, with Infinity War and Endgame. So each of these characters, they run into a huge problem. But here's what's really interesting is we have a, a touch of an empathetic bad guy. This isn't, I want a billion dollars. This isn't, I'm going to just kill everybody because I'm horrible. This is, I want to save the universe. And here's my altered way, my cracked way of doing it is to wipe out half the population. It sounds horrible, but yet his intention is actually, his intention is good. His, his ethics and execution of the plan is what's so horrible, but really interesting. So not a flat character at all, in my opinion. So they run into this problem. Now, what's the impact of the problem? Well, that's pretty, pretty obvious. We can see it. They show, I think it was Gamora, right? They show her planet being half the people being wiped out. You know, how horrible that is. Families ripped apart. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just horrible because some of this is actually happening in the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Right. Not in that exact way, but, you know, I think about certain countries in Africa and that kind of thing. It's just so we can relate to it. So as far as engagement goes, yes, this is a fantasy world, but they're using pieces, uh, elements that exist today. So we have empathy, we have engagement, we have a huge problem, problem we can relate to. Ah, now, where's the integrity coming from? Where's the impact? The impact we have pretty clearly, the integrity is who can step up here. Who can make this? Can these guys work as a team? They even split apart. They're two separate teams that don't you know, want to work together. They have different goals. Now they'll come back together. So they have integrity. And then there's the change, right? The change in the universe. They're all called to action, right? To work together. And again, not giving, going through, you know, this six hours of film, but they make it work <laughs> in an altered way. And then you get great wrap-ups for each of our characters. Literally, they wrapped up each character and gave them, you know, a pretty satisfying ending for a lot of the big fans. Okay. So there's Epic in a massive multiverse, <laughs> literally. Can you throw me a product now that's um, product or company? And I think I can just compare it and show you how they do it. Um, I'm going to say a product that a lot of our listeners will probably be have been using a product we're using right now in fact how about zoom is the oh hey the that's product. a great yeah. one yeah. yeah most people kind of go with apple and or nike i was actually expecting that great okay zoom so let's think for a second here wow okay well zoom has been on the scene so for uh, a long time so let's there's two ways we can go about this i can kind of dissect them you know in their in their growth and their rocket you know that kind of thing how they adapted or we can go back to you know, their particular story. Since I'm not intimate with their particular branding story, I'm going to go with the first. Mm -hmm. And so, all right. So we have, you know, multi-user, you know, collaboration online. I I I think we're in Zoom right now, you know, Mm -hmm. talking to each other and it's, you know, it's very ubiquitous, but so was Teams, so was Google. So were, you know, at least a dozen pretty major, you know, competitors out there, but Zoom took off like a rocket. And then one thing that was, you know, one thing that happened, why'd they take off like a rocket? 
P, the problem. The problem was the pandemic, you know, came in. I mean, this is no, this isn't news to anybody, but, but they capitalized on it like mad. And they became something that Google did um, in, in Kleenex, which is they became a verb, right? Let's zoom. And that's it. Like they, they won the race. So they had heavy marketing, heavy pushes in areas that everybody touches. They did major pushes into even past Microsoft in schools, right? Schools, universities, let's, let's, let's adapt. Hey, we've been here all along. In fact, we'll give it away for free for the first X amount of time, just fire it up and start using it. They certainly ran into their own problems, security, you know, things like that happening, you know, some breaches and things like that, but they certainly survived. So you know, how do they engage? How do they engage people? You can work from anywhere, anytime, any platform, just, just, just download this thing. So easy. So they engaged folks, you know, there was a huge problem that boosted their market. They had two things happen. So the impact is you can keep on working. You don't have to shut down your business, right? Certainly was brought across in the videos and the promo spots then the commercials that they put out. Um, you know, so the impact of the business owner is great. Let's do this. You know, it wasn't complicated. It wasn't tied into a suite. You know, Google, like, I got to use Google. I don't know if I trust Google. Microsoft, we're not a Microsoft shop. We're a Google shop. All those things didn't matter. They said, look, it's, you know, we're agnostic. We're vendor agnostic. You just use this thing. So they went down that path. And then the integrity actually started building over time. It looked like the major hero, but they hit obstacles. And this is the big part of the story that in, in a founder story or an origin story, bringing it back to, um, you know, to your story, anybody that's listening here, you've got to be open enough to show that you're the underdog. The underdog wins. We all love the underdog. So Zoom, they they had problems with security. There were people joining in meetings that weren't supposed to be there and things like that. They admitted it and said, we're putting a team on it immediately. We will fix this in, as fast as we possibly can. So they had a bumpy road and people said, all right, they're like me, but maybe a little better because they acknowledged it. They didn't just push it off to the side. They didn't ignore it. They said, yes, this is it. This is true. We're on it. We are putting our, you know, our best people on it. We're hiring a new security squad. We're doing this and that. So they built, in my opinion, they built integrity over that time when it could have crushed them. Everybody could have abandoned them, but because they said, we're, you know, we have integrity, we're going to go ahead and, and do more here. That actually built up more trust. And so, you know, we all know that, you know, know you, like you, trust you, and then we'll move forward with you sort of mantra. I think that's what they did. And then sort of the, certainly the C was the call to action and it's everybody can use, you know, Zoom, uh, you know, across the board. So, and, you know, and start today, it's free. So I think they had a lot of things going for them, but they had one major world problem that of course made them explode, but they were growing well before that. Definitely, definitely. And they were on my radar before the pandemic hit. Like, I think a lot of companies were looking to shift towards a, a remote working setup anyway. Like it's just, yeah. this has accelerated the whole process. Um, but the thing, the thing that really gets me with how well Zoom's done as well is how they, you, you spoke about empathy. They tapped into empathy, not just in terms of we can help you keep working, but we're keeping families connected. We're keeping people connected. Good for you. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. which is a huge deal in light of what's been going on. Like, cause it, it that's, I think that's how it's become a household name, especially it's that level of really, really emotional engagement, like that, those core emotions, mm -hmm. which is something that Hollywood movies do very well, which marketing videos don't do as well. Um, I find an experience like it's, I, it's I'd, I'd love to talk core. about that. Cause you, you, can I, can I, may I jump in? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I love that you brought up emotion and I'm surprised that I didn't yet, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Because, you know, with, with grandma, you know, we can zoom, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's bringing people together. Um, here's the thing about why explainer videos and promo videos usually don't tap into emotions. One is people are afraid to do that. The marketing director or the marketing associate doesn't want to go up to the CMO and, you know, can we do this? Can we put emotion in here? They're a little afraid that'll get sliced out. We need features. We need features, says the CTO, right? And let them know what we do. Well, people don't buy features, right? They actually still do, always will buy based on emotion and a feeling and a transformation. So when I moved out here, 
with my marketing brain, I started asking everybody and, you know, I, I was the guy that could, would take the director, you know, the actor, the actress, whatever to lunch, just to understand this market, what they're doing. And so I boiled things down to five core emotions. And I think this is very important for any, any CMO here. So there's really, there's five great emotions or great, um, you know, elements to any story that'll make a difference. And those are the, basically it's, so I call it the stuff. I'm full of acronyms. So the stuff is uh, is S for is it sexy or does it sizzle? Now this doesn't mean actor actress on beach, you know that kind of thing, or that kind of you know. And literally in commercials, you can do that, but it can mean you know 18% returns of my stock portfolio. That means I can take that vacation. Right? That means I can do this or that. That's real. That sizzles and something so you know, eighteen percent. You can make that into something that's sexy. So every company has the opportunity to either make themselves or their customers, and you really want to make your customers because it's all about them. You never want to be the hero as the brand. Your customer, that's the hero. So how can you make them? sizzle, look sexy, etc. with your piece. Now, I love that you brought up the Avengers because I always talk about to, uh, you know, to brands and including our own is we're Iron Man's suit of armor. We're Jarvis. You know, your you companies out there, your product is Jarvis. Right, but, yeah. Inside is the hero, right? Inside, that's the customer. The customer is the hero. You're the toolkit that elevates them to the next level. That's it. You don't be the hero. They'll, people don't respond to that well. So that's S, sexy, sizzles. T is touching. And I love that you just brought that up. That's what Zoom did, right? That's what Zoom did. And so, and before that was a great campaign by Google for Gmail, just launching their Gmail product, their mail product. You know, it was all about, you know, uh, you know, bringing families together, a, a father um, sending his, his daughter, who was like two, you know, messages to her that she would read in 10 or 15 years. It was beautifully done. Very simple, but beautifully done. It's touching. How can we touch the heart or how can we inspire? And we're about to hit the season with the Olympics with all kinds of inspirational stories about to hit us, right? NBC, Universal, and, you know, all the countries around the globe are, you know, winning the rights. So they're going to be telling these great inspirational stories, how people came from little to nothing and they fought and they trained and they, and they are, and you were inspired by them. And then we're going to root for them. Right. And it works. So T the touching piece, you is a funny one. You is, it's got to be completely unique. If you're playing catch up to the, the big brand that's ahead of you or the great technology next door, you will lose. You need to be unique. You need to find out what your, you know, uh, customer aha moment is like when go poll them, talk to them, ask them, find your, get this together and say, my gosh, I didn't even realize it. Cause this is what we do with our, our clients. And most of them find out, my gosh, we found out it's not the interface they love. It's the customer support, you know, or it's the, the care that will wait until eight o'clock at night to solve a problem instead of going home, you know, whatever it is, but a specific story there. So whatever makes you unique, celebrate that and talk about that. And then the two F's in the stuff, funny and fear. So funny is really difficult. Most companies back away from it because if it doesn't hit, it can go south. It can be sour, but you can always lean on humor. So I think, you know, you can go, you don't have to be too risky with going for funny. So funny, think about, you know, Dollar Shave Club, there's, there's Budweiser commercials, the Budweiser frogs, the, the Geico geckos, you know, these kind of things, they're all going for funny, totally unusual, different, unique, and, and fun. And then fear is a great one. And Silicon Valley uses this every day. It's FOMO, fear of missing out. So what about your product? Can you help people realize if they miss out on this? They are going to be left in the dust. They will not have the job. They will not be able to buy the, you know, the the doll for their kid or their action figures. They will they will be at home without a job, or they're just going to get passed by for that promotion. So S T U F F. How can you highlight those? And again, just applying it to the movies. When I was doing all that script, uh, sort of you know script uh, consultation, that kind of thing on these really large movies. Any scene that didn't have an element of that in it, that wasn't a term, but I, I kind of, I coined that term, but didn't have that in there would be cut from a movie. If it wasn't elevating the story forward and didn't have an emotion in it, it's extraneous. Why well, have it in there? So in big movies, you know, like we just talked about, 
they, they just cut those out. They all have a meaning to move the plot forward. And same thing with marketing. The whole point is to move people to the very next step in the customer journey. You know, it's not like most of the folks listening to this are selling something they, you know, uh, an e-commerce thing that's a dollar. You know, come in, buy it for a dollar, see you later, never see you again. You know, hardcore push to buy something today. It's get them to the very next step. You know, B2B marketing, even B2C, it's who else do we need to have on this decision? How great is this for you? What's the next step? Three steps, five steps, move them to the next step uh, along the customer journey is how you will win and keep on growing. So you've you've talked about the epic and and stuff. Mm-hmm. What are some who are some brands that are really doing this well in your mind? Like who? What are examples that our listeners should go and take a look at? As yeah, these are great, great examples so, of video marketing. There's a, there's a lot. Um, you know, thinking off the top of my head, I think that uh, I think Nike is doing a great job, and in their they have literally become controversial. That controversy puts them in the news, and controversy also you know, is, is becomes free branding, you know, free commercials out there as stories come up. So they've done a really good job of it, but they've really stuck to their athletes. They've stuck to, in my mind, they've stuck to the people that got them to where they are. They were early, early in the eighties, you know I mean? You know, with, with Michael Jordan, if I remember right, you know, Nike was not, you know, they were only, you know, 12 years in at that point, they had nobody no huge brand. I mean, it was Adidas and Reebok, whatever it was back then, but they signed Michael Jordan and that became a billion dollar brand on its own. Again, looking back, we can see that. But Nike has stuck by their athletes, their spokespeople. And it's all about just do it because you are an athlete. You can do it. It's not just Serena. It's not just Jordan. It's not just, you know, LeBron or this or that, you know, it's you can do it just do it, you know, was the original. So I think Nike does a great job out there. Um, you know, again, sticking to their guns, sticking to their, to their brand. Uh, a couple others that I think are doing a great job that, that sort of like the, the brand that nobody ever heard of. Do you know who Unilever is? Have you ever heard oh, of Unilever? Yes. Yes. Yeah. In, in fact, I'm not far from where that company was founded actually. Um, oh, really? The moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah I didn't found, know that. Founded on the Wirral UK. It's a, Little known thing, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm cool. familiar with the brand, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they have one of our customers, Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream. So we did, we do, uh, you know, work with Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream and that's now a Unilever brand. But, you know, I think they do an amazing job. And the other is they bought Dollar Shave Club. So at Dollar Shave, um, you know, Michael Dubin put that, you know, video that, together that went viral, taking on a very boring state, 150-year-old industry of razors, and he put something together that was completely unique and funny. And I did actually, I would say I lightly polled it, you know, kind of polled that video. And there was definitely a difference. It was, you know, they knew their target market, which is the other, I have 10 rules of great stories too, but they knew their target market. He knew his audience. He wasn't going for, you know, frankly, he wasn't going for females. And I don't think that that video appealed as much in my small you know, kind of, uh, you know, polling as it did to, to males. It's not, a, it's not a bad thing to target, right? I mean, it's, you know, we, we all want to segment that kind of thing. And now they can branch out. Once you win an audience, you can then expand. So I, I think that Unilever is doing a great job by letting those brands be themselves and letting each one have its own personality. So, uh, you know, I think Ben & Jerry's has a very different take on things than Dollar Shave Club. And then, you know, there are other brands too. And then moving on to uh, um, Always. Always is a, is, a, is a female brand and they had a, they have a, uh, had a campaign called Like a Girl. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did an amazing job with this. Now it came out roughly around the time I had a daughter. So maybe I was a little more aware, um, but I absolutely loved it. Loved it. And um, because you know, just for all the reasons that it should, you know, it was, you know, be strong, be, you know, you are, you know, you're strong, you're smart, but they didn't say those things. They just said, Hey, you know, kid, like, you know, you and your sister are here, throw, throw this ball. Okay. Throw it like a girl. And then he did this mock weird, throw this ball terribly. He said, is that how you, your sister throws? No. Is that how you want your sister to throw? No. How does she throw? And he's like, boom, you know, and he threw a strike, you know? And so it was that, that's like a girl. No, I, I honestly, it still chokes me up just thinking about it. It was amazing. So they've done some beautiful work there. So I also think Google, I also think Susan Love, 
uh, Breast Cancer Research Foundation putting out huge amounts of, uh, you know, really educational, smart videos that are helping women with breast cancer and their families that are dealing with, you know, the, all the repercussions of the treatments and this and that learn and understand good treatment. Again, you know, we, we are helping them. We're doing those with them, but I think those are two, you know, great brands as well. It's interesting to talk about still getting choked up about a video from even like a few years distant. And that is something that really, really good video ads do. Like there's, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the brand John Lewis. They're a big thing in the UK. Um, every year they put that, put out a Christmas ad and okay. like they become the talk of the entire country. The entire country gets together. They're all sharing it on social media. And, and it's always about it's because it links in with the emotion of something that's going on at the time. Um, it's very, very powerful in that respect. And I think that, that probably is an advantage that video has over like a piece of written content, for example, mm -hmm. or just a, a, a still image content. Is it because it, you experience a video and that experience stays with you? Well, a good video, at least, like a yeah. forgettable video, like you forget about that five seconds later, but a good <laughs> video, you remember it for years. Like, right. like people still talk about like the Buy the World of Coke ad, and that came out in the 1970s because right. it tells a good story effectively. Um, so the, those are the those are the good things to do. Like these are good examples. What are the pitfalls that CMOs need to avoid when it comes to their video marketing strategy? Like what, what should be avoided? Okay. Yeah, I like that. But people listen to the bad part more than they do the good. That's good. Um, let me think for a second here. So the bad parts, you know, the things the CMOs don't do. Um, you know, I'm kind of thinking through this, and you know, CMOs. Again, if, if you're doing some of this, you know, don't feel bad. Don't quit your job. You're going to be fine. You can fix it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think there's traps that people fall into because they're so proud of, A, their own company, their own brand, you know, their, their, or, you know, their, their founder, whatever it might be, or they want to look good to their founder, right? So if you're talking we, us, our, that's a pitfall. You know, you, there is a place to do that. And I think the we, us, our, you know, again, I kind of call it the origin story, you know, that can be done in your, well, on your hiring page, right? When you're talking about your culture, your brand culture, because this is more important than ever, right? So in one spot, you can do that, but here's the pitfall. You don't talk about we, us, our, we're awesome. We're huge. We did this and that. You've got to do it from a different perspective. And that's how you are serving your customers, those customers that you love, you love solving these problems for these customers. And when you do that, you get to, here's our mission. When you do that, you get to have benefits that raise a million dollars last year for, you know, for, for breast cancer research. When you do that, you get the best people here. When you do that, blah, blah, blah. And then so you're making those that are watching the hero even though you're really talking about we, us, and ourselves. But if you start talking, we do this, ours is that, worse it, that's a pitfall. That's a problem. That's a red flag. Don't do it. Change your story. And it's the same, the same, uh, the same goal is achieved, but you're doing it in a different way. So it's the customer's the hero. Um, I mentioned a couple of times just in that little uh, rant, you know, I was, I was saying, you know, well, we're big, we're this and that. Don't be the overdog, be the underdog, be the one that everybody relates to. And again, back to mythology and back to, you know, just Hollywood films. Everybody we've been talking about is an underdog. Every, even those Avengers, right? They all have their scars. That was one of the things that made Marvel take off because we saw their personal stories. But think about, you know, Luke Skywalker and Star Wars. Think about on the waterfront. Think about, you know, the God, whatever it is, these folks in a way are underdogs and they had to fight through. And Zoom, we talked about a little bit ago, their integrity. They fought through the problems and everybody can relate to that. So don't be the overlord, the overdog, be the underdog. Um, and I think the, you know, if you try to, and we're talking video marketing, let's get back to like the brass tacks here. When we talk about this, you really need to talk about one specific goal. You can have three big elements in each of your videos, but one specific goal needs to come out of it. And a lot of times, you know, Hey, we have this budget or we have to get this done. So they pack in so much information into one video or one spot that it becomes, uh, you know, drowns itself out. Nobody knows what to walk away with. Oh, that was cool. That was great. But I don't know what I'm, what am I supposed to do now? What am I, I don't even remember what it was. And they go over to a competitor and the competitor has a nice simplified message. 
you know, that looks great. And they're like, I'm going to continue down this path. Now they got somebody in their customer journey and you didn't because you're trying to do too much and that destroys a story. Um, and then I think one of the other things is people aren't taking advantage of, you know, these two different pieces of uh, technology right now or two different storytelling techniques, which is, you know, we all know about funnels and we all know about video marketing, but why am I not seeing more video conversion funnels? You know, I, we have them, they're terrific. <laughs> you know, it's like they get people, uh, you know, come in, they see a great video, they take the very next step, continue the journey here. If the more time people spend on your website, the more time they're getting to know you, the more they're not looking at a competitor. So use those because, you know, it's not just a read. It's not a white, download the white paper. Okay, see you later. We're going to, you're on our email list now. Walk them through at least a three-step funnel. So it's, you know, here and then thank you so much. We're going to follow up with you. And while you're here, have a look at this, more information or more things that are helpful. Did you know that these are the six, you know, the six stories that sell? Download this. When they do, it's thanks for downloading the six stories that sell because the problems that most people are running into are these. And then you're capturing information. You're giving value at every step of the way with the most powerful medium. So, you know, people are going to be, you know, it's, you can start to become irresistible. So not using video in your funnels at each step, I think is a major mistake. Um and we talk about not using the stuff, not using Epic. And then I would say sort of the, if you want, I can go through my, you know, my, my quote, my 10 rules of story. Yeah, and if you aren't yeah. using these, I think you're, it's your own detriment I and mean, you're costing yourself. Is that, yeah, would you like to hear? Yeah, I yeah? Hear okay. Um, okay, I do this all the time. So <laughs> first, again, some of these are basics, but some you just forget. So I'm going to go through, and some of these are, are definitely new. So I'd love to see what your what your thoughts are. You've got to know your audience, right? We just talked about that. Nike knows their audience, and they're and they actually the part of their audience is their actual brand ambassadors, the people that they hire for millions of dollars. Their audience, they're going to celebrate them, and they're going to stick by them. For example, um, you know, B two B, you know, whoever it might be, you're not going to necessarily do a you know, a, a big, uh, you're not going to sell, you know, Pampers diapers during a Super Bowl, you know, uh, you know, halftime show. So know the audience and target market and segment as much as you can. Second is disrupt. You've got to, that's the unique. So you've got to disrupt people in that first segment, minimally in the first seven seconds. If it's a web app, you have a little bit more time if it's television, um, you know, in different mediums, but you've got to disrupt. You've got to do something different, totally unexpected. And then you can bring it back home, right? Um, sell the hole, not the drill, right? So this is number three. So sell the result, sell the experience. Don't sell your features. Don't sell your widget. Talk about the solution, right? So that, you know, I don't know if you have that uh, expression, but if you're selling a drill, you know, that's one thing. Here's the features and here's the drill bits and blah, blah, blah. It's, oh, you want to put a door up. Well, you're going to, right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we want to put the door up so your wife doesn't laugh at you. So you so that you can be the hero and, and fix things. Again, four, I just talked about it. It's, it's also, it's focus on the experience. What's the transformation in the person's life, in their life, in their personal life, their professional life, both. But what's the experience of having your solution, of having your product? Again, it's not the features, not the actual product itself. It's their experience of having it in their lives that makes the difference. This one, next one, number five is, it's a really good one and it's hard to do. And if your salespeople aren't on board with this, if your marketing people aren't on board with this, I think this is a, this is a great place where you can say, ah, we're dropping off because of this. Raise the stakes. And if you're not raising the stakes to become so important, if you're a nice to have, this is the simple way is if you're a nice to have, not a must have, you're not going to get purchased right? And you might get purchased here and there. It'd be cool to have that. I have expendable income or I'll try it out as a pilot. But if you are high stakes, that there's a huge difference here. You know, you're on a, you're on a, you're on a wire, you know, uh, tightrope walking between, you know, buildings, but you're the net, you know, that saves the life. You know, that's, that's high stakes. Your product has to be high stakes or else you're not going to be purchased. Um, got a few more. So, I am a firm believer in KISS, but I change KISS instead of keep it, you know, simple, stupid is keep it short and shareable. So this also is one of my other, 
um, you know, kind of offshoots, I call it core, which is C-O-R-E, create once, repurpose everywhere. So if you are creating that video marketing uh, piece that's going to go front and center on your website, you also need six second, 15 second, 30 second pieces of that for all the different social media platforms. Because if people are scrolling through, you need to grab them in six seconds. You know, if they're on a on a on a Facebook feed or even LinkedIn, you know, that kind of thing, you got to grab people fast. You know, you have a little more time on different platforms, but you need to have those cut downs and then repurpose everywhere. It goes in your newsletter, goes on your blog. Um, you know, use that expensive asset because videos can be expensive, right? It can be million dollars, can be millions, can also be, you know, 10 grand or a hundred dollars, but make sure you get the most use out of it. Okay. Maintain the mystery is another one of those mistakes. I think um, um, I think a lot of marketers do, which is they give it all away. And I think the great example here is, you know, back to the old uh, movie world, which is when you're sitting, when we used to sit in the theater and hopefully will again, the trailers would come up. They used to be at the end of the movie. That's why they're called trailers, but uh, they moved in the beginning. So the previews come up. If they tell you the whole thing, I'm like, well, I don't need to see that. They just told me the whole story. <laughs> you know, they leave a hanging thread. They leave mystery in there. You want to pick up the next piece. And that's the customer journey. What's the next piece? What's the very next piece? Um, we talked about the underdog, extremely important. And then, you know, keeping things relatable. I'd say number nine is keeping them relatable. If you do something that's so esoteric or so creative, you know, it can look beautiful, but if people don't understand it and they can't relate their problem to it, I say, leave it behind, you know, put that in when you have all the customers sitting in a room with you, you've got your audience right there. That's a fine place to do something that's, you know, that's, that's big and explosive and that kind of thing, but may not be as pointed as video marketing, as a marketing message, promo message. You've got to be very pointed there. And then this really cool one here, which is a ticking clock, right? Every movie, Mission Impossible. I mean, how, how many times is this guy, Ethan Hunt, going to stop the bomb from exploding the earth with one second left, right? There's always a ticking clock. So, you know, you can use that. And we can, we've seen in the past few years, the adoption of these, you know, clock counters on a lot of website landing pages expires in 12 hours, you know, that kind of thing. But these nudges along that, you know, the, the webinar starts in 12 hours, it starts in one hour, et cetera. You've got to have a ticking clock because we just, it just taps into psychology that we don't want to miss out the FOMO. And if there's a ticking clock, I'll make time, fine. Uh, you know, and it just amps up that disruption. So use the ticking clock to your advantage. Um, speaking of the ticking clock, Maury, I, I am aware that we are, we have been talking for a while now, but there's there's so much more that I want to cover. So um, just looking at those 10 points, uh, I've, I've been writing them down. There's two that I want to address. Um, it's the sell the result and maintain the mystery sort of to tie into something you've mentioned previously about sort of like overfilling videos with features and being so feature-led with videos. A lot of that comes from other stakeholders within a company. Like As you said earlier, it comes from like the CTO or it might come from the sales team. Mm -hmm. How can a CMO engage those internal stakeholders and convince them that that's not the way to go? Like, how do you, how do you go about convincing them that it's better to tell a good story rather than just show what features? you can, you can do with a product. Yeah. Two-part answer. One is you hit on something that's, you know, we haven't talked too much about here, which is being a CMO is internal as well as external. It's not just the brand voice, but you need to sell internally as well. So, um, so how do you do that? How do you get folks that were like, no, I need this feature in there. You know, people are talking about it. I think what you do is, you know, there's a few, there's a few conversation styles you can have. One is, you know, the gap conversation. And I'm being very serious about this, the gap, which is here's what you want and here's what we're trying to do, right? But this thing, what we're trying to do is get the customers to take action. So the more customers we get to take action, give you, you know, what you want. So we both are aiming in the same direction. How do we get there? Your idea is to put it inside here that we have, you know, 23 buttons or 20, 24 ports instead of 18, like our competitors does, you know, making that up. So, you know, we have these, we have this many, you know, USB three ports, whatever. What's the result of that? 
why is that beneficial? So it really is just the conversation. You're literally just selling your own team on the same thing you're going to be selling the world on, which is the result. So I really think you use the own, you know, your own technique right there. And I know it's difficult. This isn't easy stuff because, you know, technology has worked on it for three years, right? We finally got these extra ports on the same chassis and it fits in the rack and blah, blah, blah. Um, but what's the result of that? Oh, less power consumption. Oh, they can fit more. Oh, they can buy more. Oh, they get these things. And, you know, so if you go with the result of that, I think you have a winning battle there. So it's literally kind of meta where you're, <laughs> you are selling the hole, not the drill. Instead of getting people to talk about the feature, talk about that experience and then the result that the customer has. And I think you get more buy-in that way. I certainly have at our, the organizations I've been with. Oh, that sounds great, Maury. Um, I think maybe just one last thing before we wrap it up for today. Um, as much as I would want to keep talking about this, like, um, I'm aware we've been going for almost an hour now. Like, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But we've talked. You talked briefly about like Gen Z. what is what is the future of video marketing? Is it interactive storytelling? Is it like um, I remember recently Netflix did um, that series that had um, interactive Andrew storytelling, Beach. the Black yeah. Mirror one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, is that going to be the future of video marketing? Like, is it that like being able to choose your journey through video? So we're figuring it out. There's a few things that I think are definites. And I think that there's a lot of bets, including us, you know, we're doing more with interactive and personalized. So let me say the two, the two areas I think it's moving in is, um, is personalization of the content. You know, one video to a million or 10 million people, you know, has been working for a century, but I think that's going to change because, especially with the younger audience coming up where everything has been personalized to them, right? And, you know, personalized content, personalized feed, personalized this and that. What do I like? What do I just like? So personalized, you know, content, personalized promo spots, et cetera, very important. And so frankly, that's why I started our CMO of the video bot that does exactly that personal messages to each of the personal video messages to each customer. Um, and then the interactive piece seemed like it was going to take off like a rocket five years ago. Hasn't quite done it yet. And I think it's a combination of two things. One is still that audience is still coming up into those, you know, having the budget to be able to make purchase decisions that it really is used to interactive. And then the rest, you know, the 90% aren't even used to it yet. Because so people are watching interactive videos and don't quite know what to do with it because we've been watching you know, for our whole lives in, in this lean back mode. So I do think that you know, personalized is a, is a definite um, across, you know, across content marketing. Uh, I think that the interactive piece, even if it's not inside the video, it certainly has to be outside of it. You know, it has to be, you know, certainly has to be obvious pop-ups and obvious next steps is where it's gonna start. Um, and then the other thing is, I think that, you know, the augmented reality and virtual reality, we all, again, a lot of us in this kind of area thought that would have taken off like a rocket at this point too, but it hasn't for, you know, many different reasons. You know, it's, it took a while just to even get QR codes to be recognized on our phone, you know, that kind of a basic thing, let alone, you know, point this at the sign. So I think that's moving along slower, but the gamification of marketing and the gamification of videos and literally, I'm talking, you know, using game engines, really like, um, you know, uh, Epic Engine and, you know, these kind of things where people are sort of getting more immersed in these worlds, that's going to catch on more and more. And it won't happen through $2,000 goggles is my guess, is a guess. The price points of those will come way down. That'll be helpful. The more we can do it just in our regular world, again, the AR, the augmented reality, I think that's going to lead to it. Again, these are just my guesses. But I would say those are the four areas that, you know, that marketing video is moving in. And, and I think it all sort of comes under uh, gamification, which is, you know, next steps, awards, immersive, immersed in a world, personalized to you and interactive. And you can take advantage of things. I mean, they sound like good guesses to me. It's definitely something I'm interested in when it comes to the video storytelling. Um, maybe because I'm a gamer myself, I play a lot of video games, but yeah. I'd, I'm definitely interested in discussing that. In the future, maybe, because I think we'll have to wrap it up now. Um, thank you very much, Maury, for your time. This has been awesome. Really interesting. I hope our, our listeners have enjoyed it too. Uh, thank you for listening. And I'll be back soon with more CMO Convos.